just being okay with the fact that the questions I'm asking, maybe they won't even have an answer. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that's confirming the fact that I'm onto something new here. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information and the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are wealth of resources to help you thrive, including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Pia Lauritsen. Pia is a Danish philosopher and the co-founder of Kvest, a technology company that unleashes the power of questions in companies and communities. She has a PhD in philosophy and has authored several books, including Questions. She is a regular contributor to Strategy and Business magazine and also Denmark's largest business paper, Finats. You can find more on her work at pialauritzen.dk. That's P-I-A-L-A-U-R-I-T-Z-E-N dot D-K. In this episode, Pia shares insights on the possibilities of questions, collective curiosity, diverse question cultures, making room for exploration, and far more. Keep listening to learn from Pia's great insights. Pia, it's a delight to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So you are the questions uh, expert, is that fair to say? I think you can say that, yeah. (laughs) Certainly you're framing all of uh, your work around questions, and I'm very, very interested to ask you some questions about that. So we were just having a conversation uh, a moment ago and you were saying that, you know, this frame of thriving and overload is not something which you've thought about before or you, you think about these kinds of things differently. It's not something I've been thought about. I've been thinking about that understanding myself or other people as, you know, combining the two uh, thriving and overload. I think, you know, none of them are words that I would use <laughs> about the work I do and the way I see the world. I'm not that you know, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking and writing and talking about uh, either thriving or overload. So combining the two is very interesting. Well, I think that from my perspective, it is something which you, uh, I'm sure you are, you bring to life in your work, in your life. So I'd like to, I'd like to explore that just starting thinking about this frame of questions. I think of as, you know, we all sit in the world, we are in society, we've got things going on around us, we may be sitting in an organization. And from a question frame on that world, just living our daily lives in society, in our organizations, what are the sorts of questions that we could be thinking or using or framing in order to be able to understand the world that we live in? So I think we all 
all of us, we are already asking tons of questions all the time. And I actually think the first step is to start listening to those rather than finding out what to ask. I'm very curious about what we're already asking. And it's very deliberately that I'm saying we, because I understand human beings and questioning uh, as, a, as something that has to do with a collective curiosity. We are being curious together. And sometimes we're being curious just because other people are being curious. So, so rather than having a strategy ourselves or as individuals, I'm very uh, interested in uh, exploring the collective curiosity and the, the things that we do together in order to navigate and the questions that we are asking each other. Not necessarily the people that we're used to asking questions like journalists and politicians and teachers and leaders are used to asking questions, but all the other questions, all the questions that we're not taught how to listen to, those are the questions that I'm very interested in exploring because I think they give us a key on how to navigate together. So, so let's think about some particular contexts. So one is... Inside, you're working inside an organization. Let's say you're a manager inside an organization. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine some of the questions I might be asking myself, but what are the sorts of ones which you find that people are asking or are usefully asking in that kind of role? So the first thing when I'm talking to executives and senior managers and leaders in, in organizations is that I really try to start by exploring have they ever even thought about the power of questions, the power of their own questions, the power of other people's questions, the power of their customers' questions? And have they ever even thought about how questions is not only a matter of collecting answers and making decisions, finding input and collecting insight in order to, to make decisions. It's also about distributing responsibility. So when it comes to questions, we are opening up a space that's we ask a question because there's something we want to make more room for something. And by making that room, we are also uh, inviting other people to join somehow. And if we constantly use questions in a way where we either use questions in order to make more room for ourselves, you know, to manipulate other people, maybe asking questions to, to make them th think the same way we are thinking, that could be in an organization, but also at home, you know, parents asking uh, their kids' questions just in order to get them to do something for them. Um, so, so if we are asking questions just to make more room for ourselves, then we are actually not using them in a good way. Uh, then we are not really tapping into uh, the empowering uh, magic of questions as well. But if we're using questions more to make room for other people to join something, to, to join a discussion or to join a decision, decision process, then questions can do uh, wonderful things. So I usually start by exploring how do they even think about questions? Have they ever thought about questions? And, and uh, are they aware of all the different uh, possibilities of using questions for different purposes? So, so I, mean, I think one, one thing you're describing is questions as an opening point for discussion, for conversation, for dialogue. But and I think in a related sense is uh, around sense-making. As in, you know, that's what we do in the world is we try to make sense of what is happening either inside the organization or our industry or our work context. And so, so in terms of this sense making, how do you see that relationship for how we can use, I suppose, questions to be able to make sense 
I mean, is it the question saying, how does this work? Does this make sense? Or what is the, what is this, why, why does this happen this way? I mean, are these the kinds of questions which can lead us to the sense making? Yeah. And, and I think what you just did is actually a very, uh, brilliant example of, of how to use questions in, in order to, to help us navigate and make sense of, of the world, is to try out different question words. You actually just did that. You started out by, does this make sense? And then you were, how does this make sense? And why do I want it to make sense? And, and, and then you can move on to, when does this make sense? When does this not make sense? To whom does this make sense? So, so reminding ourselves that we have actually different question types that we can use when trying to explore something is extremely useful and something that we, we tend to forget. I've been doing a lot of studies of the question that people are asking in organizations. And I recently, with my team, finished doing a report on a large data set consisting of 16,000 questions and answers asked across 32 companies. Almost 6,000 uh, 6, people have contributed to this data set. And what we can see is a very strong what, how bias. So people tend to ask questions that start with what or how. Very, you know, it's 79% of all the questions, of, it's almost 10,000 questions, and 79% of them are what and how questions. That leaves only 29% to the why, who, when, where questions. And that means that we have a lot of blind spots when trying to make sense and trying to navigate. So helping each other explore, you know, all the types of questions is actually a brilliant way to make more sense and make it easier for ourselves and each other to navigate simply by shedding light on some of the blind spots uh, and asking another kind of questions that we would usually do. Now that, that's, that's really interesting. So I suppose if I'm talking sense-making, then why would be, I think, a probably fairly common question. And, and it's interesting that people don't ask why very much yeah, from it your is, data. It's extremely, and, and why has something else to it? Why is the only question that is pointing back and forward at the same time? So when we ask why, we're looking for reason that something is the way it is, but we're also looking for a purpose. So there's something very yes. strong in the why question that moves, you know, makes us historical, you know, makes us empirical. It brings us to, so we know that we have a past and we know that there is a future. And what we have to do right now is to make sense of, of where we are in order to find out how to move forward. So by leaving all the why questions out of the equation, we're actually robbing ourselves the opportunity of understanding our opportunities in light of all the experience we already have and all the future that we are aiming at. So so it is, it's kind of sad news that we, that we tend not to ask the why questions. Do you specifically encourage people to ask why more why questions? Not specifically why questions. I encourage people to have a, as diverse question culture as possible. I encourage people to, to use that we have different ways of framing questions. And just by rephrasing a question, using another question word, we will have and we will be able to see new opportunities. So, so I'm not trying to, I'm not encouraging people to have a new bias, a why bias or a who bias and why who bias. I'm just encouraging them to, to remember that by asking different kinds of questions, they're actually not only increasing 
there are opportunities of seeing new, uh, getting new ideas and, and having new inspiration. We can also see from the data, uh, from the report that we just finished, that, that we increase our chances of receiving an answer. So we are actually, we, we see more answers in a, a population of people. If people uh, have a diverse question culture, than if they only have the what, how bias driven culture. Yeah, and no, I think that, that diversity of, of questionings is really important. So, so I might want to come back to that. But another frame for me around questions. So if I, if I think of thriving on overload, one of the things is the opportunity to become experts. So the overload in that case is abundance. We have as much information as we could possibly want in order to become an expert in whatever it is we choose to be. So as, let's say, we ask ourselves a why question in order to work out what it is we wish to become an expert in, then how do we use questions to develop our expertise in an area? What is the ways in which we can be more knowledgeable in a particular area? What, what are the kinds of questions which can guide us on that journey? I would not be able to answer that question, I think, because I think it, it comes back to what we were talking a little bit about in the beginning, that it has to do with listening to the questions that you're already asking yourself and the questions that other people are asking you. Because if you suddenly realize that people are reaching out to you with a specific kind of questions, then it's probably because they, they have heard you say something that they found interesting or you've been, reading, been writing something or you've been in a conversation where they saw you, you were good at something and now they are curious about learning more from your perspective. So, so rather than me telling people what to ask in order to find out how to become an expert within something, I would encourage people to listen to their own questions and the people and the questions they are being asked because that will tell them something about where they are going. And that's again why I talk that much about the we. <laughs> I really believe very strongly in in listening yeah. to uh, to the signals we are getting from each other and and from the world around us because sometimes you actually get a question from nature. You know, you can be walking in the forest or you can be in the water or something like that. And then you, you start thinking about something. You become curious about something, almost like you were asked a question. You were asked to respond to something, right? I was called upon to do this. And I, I think a lot of people who are really, truly experts in something, they will have a difficult time, you know, explaining why and how they found their passion. It was a combination of conversations with themselves, with other people, with experiences in nature and in you know with art and with reading and all kinds of things and then suddenly you know it, it, it kind of starts shaping itself you are listening to the thriving on overload podcast if you truly want to increase your information productivity then check out the thriving on overload interactive course it is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. What you're saying is resonating because in a way, Thriving on Overload and the book and the podcast and everything came from a question that I was asked a lot, which is how do you keep on top of everything? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so very consistently people are saying, you know, 
to give a speech and, and talk about all things. And people say, well, how do you keep on top of that, everything? And oh, so, interesting. The, and the thing is that I, I needed to ask that question of myself mm-hmm. and saying, well, how do I keep on top of everything mm-hmm. and uh, in the way that I do? And so that becomes then the self-examination. So I think, and it's, and I think that that actually is a very interesting aspect of this podcast series. To me, is that I ask all of these incredible people who do thrive on overload, are you know, are experts in a complicated, complex world, and I ask them how they do it, and they don't know. Mm-hmm. They're not very good at expressing. It is, it is very implicit. It is really the subconscious. They have developed these ways of working, but they don't actually know how they do it. And that, and they find it interesting to be asked these questions as well. I hadn't thought about it before, but this is what I do. Mm. And so it becomes a, you know, this began as a questioning of myself. Well, questions asked to me, which asked me to question myself on how I did things. And now when I question other people, I find that, in fact, they, you know, it is it is useful to them to start to surface how it is they do things because they've never really been quite conscious of that. It's a great story. And, you know, it, it really... Uh... It, it makes sense, I think, that that's how it will work. And that's probably what you're doing, you know, or that's at least what, how I experience what you're doing with the podcast. You're simply just making room for, for people to explore some of the questions that you have been exploring yourself and that have been inspiring to you and then sharing the questions and being being okay with with people needing time to find out how to deal with these questions. And, and then the value is created without anybody really knowing how and why, but but it just is. <laughs> yes. But I'm just also thinking, so let, let's say, you know, somebody's doing a, a PhD. Just take one one instance. So I presume, you know, you're, they're trying to generate new knowledge. They have a, you know, which I think we could probably frame as a question, as in how is this so, or what, what underlies this, or what happens when we do this, or, you know, there is a hypothesis, is this correct, I suppose? So I suppose if, but I think of that, a PhD is just a nice instance of a development of expertise, of a searching for new knowledge. So, I mean, just interested in just any reflections you have on that, I suppose, research or, you know, or other frames where, how to use the questions well in that journey. Yeah, I think we have different ways of dealing with questions and I think we have different times where we can where we can deal with them differently. So I think some questions they are, you know, they they want an answer. They 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 are and and they need an answer in order to make sense. And they, and they, those can both both be questions that, that we ask ourselves and be questions that we ask of each other, or we kind of feel like, I cannot move on before I have the answer to this question. But I think the question's really driving something like, a, as far as I recall, when I was writing my PhD, it's, it's a, another kind of questions. It's not, of course, there will be questions that I need to find an answer right now. So I, I know someone wrote something about that. Who was that? I need to, to look it up, right? So I, I need the answer to, the, to that question. But the overall, you know, the, the engine in writing a PhD or becoming an expert is a question that might not really be answerable, at least not for some time, maybe not even within the three years or five years or however long you time you spent writing your PhD, 
but it's the engine that that keeps you on I wouldn't even say on track because you can get off track as well, but, but keeps you on your mission somehow. So it's another kind of question. So if you are only working with the questions that actually can be answered and that you can constantly say, so tomorrow I will answer these questions and next week I will answer these questions, then you, I think you will have a hard time becoming an expert. But if you somehow are in love with some of the questions that you, you know that there might be a risk that this cannot be answered. But if I spend my whole life dedicating my attention to this, I will at least become a little smarter and I will, be a, I will know a little bit more than I do now. And maybe that will shed light on something else. And then I think the expert expertise is starting to build because then you're just you're building on top of something constantly and you're constantly being curious about whatever could feed that hunger for getting a little bit closer. Um, so it's, I think you need to be okay <laughs> with those questions as well. And you can finish your PhD, you know, I did myself. Okay, I spent three years on that and I just knew, but I'm, I'm not done. That was just my PhD, yes. but it has nothing to do with what I'm doing here. That was just, then this book has been written. That's nice, but it's not like now I know everything I need to know. On the contrary. So now I'm getting started. That has something to do with building expertise. Absolutely. Well, I think one reflection is that you focus on questions, not on answers. Yeah. You know, the answers is probably not, not the, the point. No, and no. any good question leads to more questions. And I suppose in a way, the part of that expertise development is then choosing the right questions because Every question leads to a lot more questions. You can't answer all of those questions, so you have to keep choosing the questions, which I presume takes you into into deeper areas of expertise. Yes. So it is. Yeah, and that's a good definition of the right questions because when you just said you have to choose the right question, I felt, oh, that feels wrong somehow. But but then you said what you meant by asking the right question. That is, you know, the questions that take you a step further, you know, and what you're trying to do. And sometimes you're asking questions that don't, and then you have to be good at saying, okay, that was nice uh, meeting you question, but I will leave you here because now I need to move on to another question. And just being okay with the fact that the questions I'm asking, maybe they won't even have an answer. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that's confirming the fact that I'm onto something new here. Because if there is an answer, I would not be developing something new. I would not be developing myself. But the fact that there isn't an answer makes it possible that there isn't an answer yet. And yes. that's my mission. And I can focus on that. And that just makes it so much, yeah, it's sense-making, right? It makes so much sense. So do you need to know about your clients, organizations, or industries, or is all of your work it does, 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 doesn't matter? Is it independent of context? I, my answer is yes and no. I definitely need to know something about the organizations that I'm working with, but I don't need to know anything in advance. So, so, and that's why it's also no, that I don't need to know anything because of the, uh, because of the method that I've developed that has to do with simply of uh, surfacing the questions and answers in the organization. So I have a digital platform that helps the organization and the leader surface all the questions and answers in the organization. And by looking at that data, 
you can do the analysis and say, okay, now I actually know more about this organization that I would know by having conversations with 50 people or, you know, um, so, so because of the method and the framework and the digital platform, I will get the knowledge that I need in order to help uh, the leaders ask more insightful questions and, and uh, facilitate more insightful conversations based on the data from their own organization. So in a way, for your learning, the other people ask the questions and that, that's how you, you understand the organization or the context from other people's questions. Exactly. And that's how I help them understand themselves because, and that's also why I was a little bit hesitating when you said in the beginning, so can I call you a question expert? Yeah, you can, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that, that many people in the world who have been spending more time, you know, exploring and researching both academically and practically questions. So I guess that would make me an expert, but my mission is more in, you know, helping people pay attention to their own and each other's questions because they are the true experts on what needs to be done in an organization. So listening to me doesn't bring them that much, but paying attention to their own questions actually really moves, moves the needle uh, in terms of, of seeing new ways of doing things. So thinking in terms of some takeaways for uh, the, our listeners to the podcast. I mean, one of the takeaways for me, in any case, is, is just be more aware of what questions you are asking. Because as you say, we, you know, we are all asking questions, even though, you know, in whatever it is we're doing, whether we're reading the news or studying or whatever we're, we're doing. And it's only when you understand your own what questions you're asking that you can think, well, this is a good question or this, this is where it would lead me or this is how I can most usefully move on to the next question or possibly answer it. <laughs> what would you, I mean, how would you try to summarize? So in this idea, you know, in the, you know, the context, of course, here is this idea, you know, we live in a world of information. So arguably our questions can be answered more easily than they could 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, the ones which are based on information anyway. But what, what are the suggestions you would make to people in terms of how they deal better with this sort of very, very complex world in, in finding the path or finding what it is they are, um, you know, that brings them value? I think it's very much along the lines that you just uh, summarized. You know, it's just to start asking questions about the questions you're asking yourself and the questions that you're not asking. You know, if you start to pay attention and you realize, you know, you could do it with a big study like I did, looking across all these questions and answers, and you can see the what, how bias. But if you simply start doing it with yourself, what are the questions I'm asking? Do I have some biases in my question patterns? that gives me some blind spots and and very practically it's like okay i'm asking what movie to watch rather than should i even watch a movie right now all right so 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 you by yes. paying attention to the questions you're asking you will always you will also get some attention to the questions that you're not asking and that will help you make better choices i think because then you can see well Right now, I, instead of asking, should I be on Facebook on, or on LinkedIn, I could ask, should I talk to my kid or should I go for a walk with my dog, right? Uh, so I, I actually have all these opportunities all the time. 
And I automatically realize that by paying attention to my own questions. So that's, that's what's true for the individual, but for the collective, it's extremely important to pay attention to other people's questions. What are they asking? Not to tell them, well, you could also ask, but to simply find out what are you telling me about yourself right now? By asking that question, you're focusing on this instead of that. Hmm, that's a clue for me to know what's important to you. And, and I want to know what's important to you because why else spend the time having a conversation with you? So, so one, pay attention to your own questions, the ones you're asking, the ones you're not, and, and two, pay attention to other people's questions. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and your insights, Pia. I think that's, that's really insightful and I'm sure many people get a lot of value from thinking more about the questions that they uh, are asking and could ask. Thank you. It was a pleasure and thank you for all your nice questions. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.